New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Mark Mazodier. He is a professor of marketing at ESSEC Business School. His academic research focuses on brand management and marketing communication efficacy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Gabriella, for your invitation. Sponsorship of events, it's one of the most important ways in which marketers build their brands. There isn't a sporting event or really any event where you won't see sponsorship noted. But like product placement in films or working with social media influencers, not all marketers understand how sponsorship works such that they know how to maximize its effectiveness. And when I reached out to Martin at the International Journal of Research Marketing and told him I wanted to talk to somebody about sponsorship, he pointed me to you. I think it's very important as people post-COVID are diving into live events, diving into sponsorship to refresh how it works, why it works, how to make the most of it. Now, first of all, does brand sponsorship of an event build better brand equity than, say, traditional marketing communications like traditional advertising? It's a very good question. It's actually debatable, and we actually miss empirical evidence to show you know, the added value of sponsorship compared to traditional advertising or ambush marketing. That's a topic we could develop later. Mm. So actually, I published another paper about shareholders and investors' reaction to sponsorship. And many other researchers actually investigated this question. And it's interesting to notice almost a negative trend, which basically means that until like 15 years ago, shareholders, investors were used to react positively to sponsorship announcements. So, okay, I learned that this company is going to sponsor this great event. Well, that's great. It's a good signal for the company. However, 10, 15 years ago, people started to react like not negatively, but there was no significant positive reaction. Hmm. And recently, some people found actually negative reactions of shareholders. So it it is... But not necessarily consumers, right? I mean, so this is obviously, it's important, your shareholders and investors, but a slightly different population? Or do you think it's representative of consumers? So it is another another good question because, (laughs) you know, actually there is a, a very large research area which uses shareholders' reaction, stock market to assess the effects of marketing decisions on financial performance. And this is basically, it's exactly, the question is exactly what you say. Does that mean in the end, it's only the reaction of shareholders and investors. However, people assume that they are aware of the actual performance of sponsorship, which is probably not always the case. Right. So, but... Just to highlight that what your first question is very good. When we are talking about sponsorship, we are talking mostly about sport sponsorship because it stands for, let's say, around 70% according to the last figures. Hmm. And there are many studies, including a recent paper, showing that not only people watch more sports programs, but they also pay more attention to commercials during sports programs. 
So it's very, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that marketing managers decide to show their brands during sporting events. Mm. So that's, for me, it's well established. But now the question is how to associate the brand with this massive sporting event to benefit from the massive audience and to transfer positive values. Usually the, the most common goals for sponsors and marketing managers is to increase awareness thanks to visibility, to improve brand image, thanks to the positive attributes, values of the sporting events, and eventually to strengthen brand loyalty thanks to the relationship between fans and eventually some sports clubs. Right. Um, so before we before we sort of yeah. dive into some of that, I just, I, again, just fleshing out a bit more of how we think of sponsorship. When we think of influencer marketing and they use the word sponsored around content to say this is an advertisement. Does sponsorship have to be a live event? You mentioned sports, 70% of it, but is it any live event counts? So so sponsorship is usually defined as a financial or eventually an in-kind support of a brand to an entity, which is usually a live event usually a sporting event, but it could be one art festival. Eventually also it could be a social sponsorship when you sponsor a cause. So that's what we are, we refer to when we talk about sponsorship. When, if an agent who works with a celebrity and they're working with the celebrity to build their brand, the brand around the celebrity, should they think about an endorsement through the lens of sponsorship? Is that similar, would you say? So the, the, the difference is when a company decides to hire a celebrity for celebrity endorsement, this celebrity basically doesn't need this brand to perform. I see. I see. Okay, great. So one of the things that a lot of people might know or think about when considering a sponsorship opportunity, you know, because these come up, they're marketed to, is if it's a good fit for their brand. But what does fit mean? And can you start by explaining what fit is and maybe give a an example of brand sponsorship where there is is fit or brand congruence and also where there isn't, just so people can understand in a really concrete way how yeah, the difference sure. is. So fit means whether consumer understands the logic, the rationale of one association. So it's in this sense, it's different from similarity. So obviously, okay. similarity is a driver of perceived fit. So because when we talk about fit, usually it's in terms of perceived fit, but it's a one step further. So people actually understand the logic of this mm. association. So of course, a very obvious fit is when a sporting company such as Nike or Adidas decide to sponsor a tennis tournament. Right. This is a very high fit. But then you could have a moderate fit, such as FedEx sponsoring, like maybe, you know, a cycling race, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not like the, the, the racers actually use FedEx, but of course, there is the, the value of uh, fast mm-hmm. as a metaphor and which m- makes people understand the logic of this association. Okay. Both of them are about to be fast. Okay. Or right. to be. And that's what we usually mean by moderate fit. Okay. Okay. And, and it's a sort of an obvious metaphor. Yeah. Or a, okay. And, and then of course, sometimes you could have a, like a very low fit when people really 
take more time to understand. Sometimes it is impossible. That means there could be a very low fit and people just cannot figure out why a brand decides to sponsor one event. But or sometimes it just takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to understand this association. So if, if the if the metaphor isn't obvious, that's where fit is is low. Is that what you would say? Yeah, exactly. And it's very important to understand the dynamics of perceived fit because prior research basically focus on static fit. That means you ask people, do you understand the, the logic underlying the sponsorship? And usually, of course, they show the positive relationship. So usually they say, okay, so if I perceive the association between Sony and the FIFA World Cup as making sense, okay, I'm going to react more positively to the sponsorship. And actually what we show is that what is even more effective, it is something that it is a bit unexpected at the beginning. So mm. it's moderate fit. Then people can understand the rationale thanks to your activation. And we can talk about activation later if you want. I mean, mm. you explain the reason why the brand decided to sponsor this event. So you, you really clarify the meaning. And then people, because they understand now, they were a bit surprised, so they paid more attention. Then they are arose because they can understand now the rationale. Then actually are going to react more positively to the sponsorship campaign. And it is exactly what we show in the IJRM paper. And of course, it is very good news for brand managers because managers, they are willing to associate their brand with new events in order to attract attention from their target audience with something a bit surprising and expected. And at the same time, they also are willing to transfer new values so that from these new events to the brand. So actually, they, it's, they like being associated with events that moderately fit their brand. So for instance, when you gave the example of the moderate fit with FedEx sponsoring, let's say a cycling race versus Nike sponsoring tennis. Yeah. Now you would see a, a bigger bump from the FedEx situation than you would from the Nike situation. Is that? Yes. Okay. So now the other question I have is, as you say, people are saying they're thinking of fit in the static term. And oftentimes when marketers are thinking, you know, they plan annually and they do a sponsorship and this is the sponsorship we're doing this year. But sometimes over time, they perpetually sponsor certain events. They become linked with events. Does that positive, does it taper off? Does So, so once you've explained that moderate fit, you get it. And you get it. Does it change? Does it continue to build? What does over time, like a longer time, or or is that not something we've... Yeah, it's, it will reach a plateau. Okay. Then it doesn't mean that brands should stop sponsoring an event because if this event matches very well their target customers, I mean, it makes a lot of sense in terms of salience. Okay. Uh, so, you know, when, of course, with marketing communication strategies, there are many goals. And if your goal is about salience, then be it. I mean, if it is the most relevant event for your target customers, that's good. But then if your goal is to actually build brand equity to transfer new values, like, okay, you want to be perceived as more sustainable, or you want to be perceived as more, you know, higher quality, more performant, then it makes sense if you want to transfer new values to actually look for events that moderately fit, that are strongly associated 
uh, with these values that you are interested in, in the consumer's mind, actually to be very specific in your target customer's mindset. I see. This is the event you want. I see. I see. Now, sometimes events have multiple sponsors. Should you be aware of the other sponsors in an event? Does that change how people react to your sponsorship? Yes. Our first, most big events nowadays limit sponsorship to one brand per product category. So it's less and less common. So there's only let's going to see see one beverage company, for instance, but let's say it's, I don't know, Coachella, I'm a clothing brand and goodness gracious, Budweiser is here and Budweiser just had all this kerfuffle and the Gen Z's are not really happy with them. And should, will that, could that hurt me that they may have trailing values that they're trying to expand or improve their values? And I'm a different, even if I'm a different category, I don't want to be associated with them. Yes. Does that happen? Yeah, you are 100% right. Okay. So sorry for that, but I'm going to use a, a word which is very academic, which is yeah. entitativity because, because that's a word used. But basically the idea is that the sponsors form a group, which is basically a stereotype. And of course, if you have new sponsors that are badly perceived, this mm. will impact this stereotype of the group. Of the group. And, I see. Okay. And I can share with you that some sporting events in France, they are very careful about new sponsors. I mean, I cannot disclose everything, mm. but it definitely take into account, you know, the image of this of these new sponsors because yes, it could affect other sponsors. And it could affect the event if it's a big enough oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a big enough thing. And I suppose especially we're seeing young consumers be more desirous of brands taking stands and issues, which in the past they maybe wouldn't have. So this is even more important than perhaps it used to be because people are actually carving out positions, which then make it make it tricky. One of the things in the introduction to the paper that you mention is schema theory and sort of is that that underlies some of this. Can you explain what that is just so people understand some of the mechanism that's at work in sponsorship so that in their mind, they can think about how it's working? So it's when, I mean, people have schemas in their, in their mind and it is the idea that if you show them something unexpected, then they are going to be to pay more attention. And when they can resolve this incongruity, then they are they will be aroused and they will all process more carefully the information and react more positively. Okay. The idea. Okay. Okay. So now going back to activation, which we had you had started to talk about, and I was like, oh no, no, we're not going to talk about that yet. So <laughs> now we we have we've decided we're going with let's say a moderate fit because we'd like to expand some of the values with our brand. What does this mean for me in terms of when I should be messaging, who I should be messaging with regard to the sponsorship? Does it change how I actually do this campaign, the ancillary campaign to the sponsorship? Yes. So sponsorship involves two stages. So first, the selection of the event of the property. Mm -hmm. Second, the activation of this campaign. Both are very important. And of course... If you selected an event which moderately fits 
your brand, your activation campaign should be different, a bit different from a, a high fit campaign, because you have to explain the rationale underlying this sponsorship campaign. Mm -hmm. so you can use metaphors. You can use also, for instance, color to show your support to the team. If the team that you sponsor is strongly associated to a color. And uh, there are many other tools that you can use. You, you said about when and who. There is some research showing that, for instance, people who feel actually isolated, I mean, strong fans who feel isolated, react more positively to sponsorship. So they are going to pay more attention to all the messages from the sponsors because they want to connect to the team. Activation is a very broad topic that we could discuss for hours. But to make a long story short, you have to customize your activation campaign according to the level of fit. Because yes, it's not the same. Okay. Okay. And high fit. Okay. Wonderful. Now, speaking broadly... You looked at sporting events. You looked at business to consumer type of sponsorship. Would there be same sort of similar learnings that would hold true in a B2B sponsorship settings? Like for instance, in conferences, if I'm a, I'm, I'm a business and I sell to businesses, does that change how I think about sponsorship? To the best of my knowledge, we found similar effects in a B2B business. Uh, and of course, the, the huge difference is the activation. Because for B2B, activation is more about hospitality, for instance. It will be more about direct marketing. So here there is a really big difference. But the role of fit is very similar to the best of my knowledge. Okay. But really, B2B companies often are doing pretty obvious fit things. But you think that if you pushed it a little and then you had to explain the metaphor that it would still be more effective. You'd get better reaction. Is that so? I'm just want to make yeah, sure I'm totally just what, okay. Again, here I, I check my memory, but I, it's if I remember okay. correctly, it's what prior research found. Yeah. Okay. And do you have any sense of if the activation of the sponsorship is low? Let's say you just have your you just have your logos all over the place, but you're not necessarily building in the hospitality, the direct messaging, does that really make the sponsorship not particularly effective? If people cannot understand the rationale of your sponsorship, people will react negatively because oh, okay. they, you know, if they cannot make sense of this association, most likely they will just ignore it. But worst case scenario, if they, they could be annoyed and they say, but why, you know, and that would be the worst. But more, most likely, people who cannot just understand the, the arts and they just ignore the information. I see. Okay. So generally speaking, if you're a marketing professional and you're evaluating sponsorship, it's perfectly fine if you're Nike to sponsor sporting event because that's obvious and that's still you'll still get some sort of positive. But even better if you can get something that that tweaks it a little differently. Is that a correct read of how? how it works yes okay and then i think it's important to remind everyone the distinction between brand positioning and brand image because okay. brand positioning is a strategic decision so you decide i mean managers decide when we are talking about fit we are talking about the perceived fit in consumers mindset so then it means it's it is a relationship between the 
sporting event or like the sponsored entity image with a brand image, which is completely different from the brand positioning because brand mm-hmm. image is what consumers have in mind. And most often it doesn't match exactly brand positioning. So uh-huh. what I want to say is that when I t- what I tell managers is you should look for events that moderately fit your brand image, but it should fit perfectly your brand positioning. So ideally you want to add, you know, the some, you know, points of difference or, you know, you know, attributes of your positioning that you currently miss in consumer's mind, in your brand image. So then it will moderately fit consumers who perceive the association as moderately fitting, but you transfer actually new values that match perfectly well your positioning. And that's ah. the ideal situation. Right. That's the critical piece that there really is. It's really talking about this is in the mind of the consumer. And that is different from what you're doing in your corporate offices, no matter how, most likely. And so fantastic. That's really, really useful. Thank you so much for spending the time with us and walking through this stuff. It's really interesting and so important. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Gabriela. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.